Hello and welcome to another episode of ITB Snacks. Shortly you're going to hear Graham Jackson and I discussing the British Virgin Islands decision or announcement of their decision on the 7th of December 2023 that they will not be making their beneficial ownership register public. We just wanted to note that the Crown Dependencies of Guernsey, the Isle of Man and Jersey have also jointly announced that they are withdrawing their previous commitment to allow general public access to the registers of beneficial ownership and that they did that just a week later on the 14th of December 2023. We hope you enjoy the rest of this ITB Snacks. So Harriet, here we are for an ITB Snacks. Here um, we are for, for, for a, a bijou snackette even. A snackette, um, which is not something that I experience a lot. Normally, my snacks are quite big. <laughs> um, That's something for you to discuss with your therapist, Graham. So the BVI, British Virgin Islands, um, has done something, hasn't it, to do with uh, beneficial ownership registers. It's taken what my tax LinkedIn feed said was a brave step. And anybody who remembers Yes Prime Minister knows that that is terrifying. <laughs> so yes i think was that how james cornby described it yeah that's how james cornby of stevenson harwood llp in, in the uk described it and i think that that might well be right so late last week um uh 3 24 p.m uk time on the 8th of december uh there was a press release from the government of the virgin islands that's the british virgin islands um, on their position on the public, publicly accessible registers of beneficial ownership. Right. Or, um, as I, I, I've never referred to them as this, but apparently they're commonly referred to as parbos. <laughs> I've never heard that before in my life. And just to say, this, if I remember correctly, was imposed on all the overseas territories except Gibraltar, because Gibraltar already had its law, was imposed on the overseas territories by Westminster, and there was somewhat of a constitutional spat at the time. That that that's right. Yes, um, it was. Yeah, it, yes, I think. Uh, yeah. So, um, looking, well, they threatened Jersey and the Isle of Man, didn't they? And Jersey and the Isle of Man said, "Well, we're going to do it ourselves so that we preserve our constitutional position." It, it, it's a big test of Westminster's power, to be honest. This. Yes, and so it, it's worth knowing that there was the pub. The, the um, there was um. In the House of Commons, I think it was. Um, yeah, there was a debate on it in the House of Commons on the 7th of December, so the day before. Oh. The BVI mentioned this, mentioned it just in passing. So there's there's that. Um, and so I think you might be, might we might be gearing up to another spat. But anyway. Always good. Yeah, well, you know, it's all. It's shenanigans over Christmas, that's what we want shenanigans are the shenanigans worth the fallout of the shenanigans that's what i always say always never never and that's the that's the difference between us <laughs> so this is what um the government of the virgin islands has said they said all of the overseas territories and crown dependencies have previously committed to the implementation of parbos on the basis of European Union member states implementation of the EU fifth anti-money laundering directive. However, the decision late last year by the ECJ changed the international context, affirming privacy and data protection as fundamental human rights, which must be respected and appropriately weighed when providing such access. 
So there have been a couple of decisions which which touch on this. And I think the one that's being referenced there um, was the Sovilam, Solvium, Sovium. Sorry, bear with me while I untwist my tongue. Background research is the key to good podcast. It's not it's not the lack of background research. It's the inability to pronounce words. So Sovim. Okay. Sovim decision, which came out on the 22nd of November 2022. Um, And what that judgment did in a nutshell was said that public access to registries interfered with the fundamental right to respect for private life and to the protection of personal data guaranteed by the EU Charter. So this this is this is interesting because um, whether or not the EU Charter applies in the overseas territories, um, well, yeah, what's I, it got to do with what's, what's it got, the, it's the founding Charter, document to do with it? of an institutional of a, an international institution that you're not party to that you're well, you're uh, whatever the word that's acceptable now what that i want to say mother country is um is party to it's not party to the, the eu anymore there was a bit of a fuss about that i don't know if you remember uk left the eu um so why is bvi looking to yeah. why is bvi looking to the eu case law as a motivator well so going back to that decision that was about um Luxembourg and the Luxembourg um, giving public access to its beneficial ownership registry. And so within hours of that decision, Luxembourg switched off public access. Yeah. The next day, the Netherlands did. And subsequently, Austria, Belgium, Malta, Germany all did the same thing. But it wasn't all member states, was it? Some member states just didn't care. They kept it open. Yes, I think that's right. Um and so um you've you've got a lot of countries that at that time still didn't have um Arbos. BOs, yeah. Didn't have beneficial ownership registers with or without PAR, um, so with or without public access. <laughs> um uh, so at the time there there were ones like Italy, Spain, Greece, Cyprus. Um, and I'm, I've been looking at a report from Investigate Europe, which describes those jurisdictions as laggard countries, which is nice, a beautifully archaic expression, um, though po- possibly not very kind. Um, no, that's not very kind. So have you got a full list of all the people that didn't implement on time? No. OK, so because you've only named Southern Europeans. Um, I have only named Southern Europeans. That's because this this article only names the only Europeans. examples that you've got, right? Okay. Um, I'm sure um, there was some there was some Northern Europeans that didn't. That that I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there were. There's always people who don't manage to comply in time. Yeah. But anyway, so last year we had this switch off where um, beneficial ownership registers were open to the public after the Sovim case. Um, we had some people who hadn't implemented now a year later but following the debate in the house of commons the day before we've got the bvi saying look we think this changes the position um and it, it say so what it said was given this the government has determined that while the virgin islands does not fall within the ambit of the ecj in light of legal opinions received on the ecj judgment 
and the constitutionality of creating a parbo in the Virgin Islands, it considers that its approach must take into account the ECJ judgment to help minimise the risk of legal challenges on human rights grounds. So to pause there, I think there is a potential that... So I haven't obviously haven't seen the opinions that they received on the ECJ judgment or constitutionality. I think it's there's no um, there's no doubt that there are human rights concerns. So not just ECHR, but um, uh, obviously the ECHR European Convention on Human Rights applies within Europe, but we also have the Universal Declaration, um, which. Yeah. Applies broadly so these are the sorts of rights that are going to be applicable in a wider um wider range of jurisdictions so it's sort of it's sort of like the ecj is thinking about human rights something very similar applies towards it and and that decision will inform any decision in a in in, in a in a forum that we're likely to be in so I think the, the so they weren't they weren't the ECJ weren't specifically considering the ECHR they were considering the EU Charter but the rights they were talking about were I think the same thing aren't they similar yeah no, they're not the same but they are similar okay so similar they're the, same. they're the same no I didn't say they're the same I said they're essentially similar they are essentially similar so yeah. yes so that's put words in my mouth Harriet Brown. I'm very sorry, Graham Jackson. Um, so um, the Honourable Lorna Smith, Minister for Financial Services, Labour and Trade, said safeguarding of these fundamental human rights necessitates the application of a legitimate interest test to determine access for those parties who whose request for beneficial ownership information is genuinely aimed at preventing or combating money laundering and terrorist financing. So it seems to me that what's being said is that you might well want to know what beneficial interests your next door neighbour has in multi-million pound companies, for example. But you don't need to know that. And there's no real, that's just you being nebby. And that sort of interest isn't good enough to have access to this type of information. So let's just for a second pause there and, and identify that you use the word nebby and not yes, every person okay. might know what nebby means. Means nosy, nosy sticking your beak into things that aren't your business. Um, so this is so they're going to are they given a timeline for when it's going to be turned off, or is it has it been turned off today? Um, no, I think they they previously committed to the implementation. Oh, right. So they've the refused to. Yeah. They're basically saying we're not going to implement now. now I think so that, I, yeah. So they say. Um, we've played a proactive and significant role in the international arena, battling against the misuse of the financial sector for money laundering, terrorist financing and other illicit purposes. Transparency is key, but so is respect for international law. Um, and so what they've confirmed is that the government will continue to undertake the technical work of designing and building systems that deliver on its commitment to implement a PARBO, consistent with the standards to be identified in the implementation review of the EU's fifth anti-money laundering directive. But this will be done in ways that ensure its human rights obligations are met. So they're going to continue with the work, but effectively they're going to look at what's being done in relation to the fifth anti-money laundering directive, which is what was reviewed by the ECJ in the Savin case. Um, and they're going to make sure that they're doing it in a way that's consistent with the human rights obligations of BVI. Now, I'm not saying that they don't care about the human rights angle. But it is a happy coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> that 
that this having a parbo may affect their competitiveness as a jurisdiction if similar jurisdictions, not even similar jurisdictions, but competitive jurisdictions like, say, Luxembourg or Malta or Cyprus don't have to have a parbo, they would be concerned that their economy is 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 not competing on a level playing field, right? I mean, that has to be a concern, and I think that that's fair enough to have that concern. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's a difficult pill to swallow. You've got to do this, and all the people that you're at the same trade conferences with don't have to. Um, so, yes, I, I don't doubt that that was a big factor in the decision-making process here. And I'm, I'm, I'm really quite excited, may not be the word that I'm looking for, but I'm very interested in seeing what the UK's response to that will be, uh, if the UK government has any bandwidth to deal with this. Um, so I think in some ways what the BVI have said last week is not dissimilar to what was said in December of last year by Guernsey, Jersey and the Isle of Man. Now, the, those three crown dependencies have private registers with a commitment to public registers. Gibraltar, of course, already has a public register. Am I yeah. right about that, Graham? Yeah. yeah. Um, and what they've said is that they're not going to go any further until they've had legal advice. Um, there's a written parliamentary question outstanding from the 7th of November of this year on when the UK government expects the, the three those three dependencies to introduce a publicly accessible register and as of last week that was still awaiting a response <laughs> right i mean so, let's face it right the uk flexed its constitutional muscles it gave orders to the overseas territories and uh, to the overseas territories and it could be described as bullying the cds the crown dependencies into doing it because i don't think there was any move to do it before the threat of the the bill right um, no, I don't. Th I think that's right. I don't think there was, um, and you know, it's unlikely if you've got children to use an analogy, which is entirely imperfect. Please do not write to me and complain because I said that the C dots were the children of the UK. And I'd also uh, like to say that this is Graham's analogy, not mine. But if you if you if you give orders to your children when they're grown up enough to decide their own lives, that's not going to go well for you. They're going to be resistant. I think the issue is, and I think this is why the Sovim case is so interesting or has caused such a stir in this situation, is that there are clear issues with things like public access to beneficial ownership registries. And they haven't been fully bottomed out. And there's sort of been this drive towards transparency, which, frankly, it it's it's probably right. It's probably good. It's probably something that we absolutely should be doing. But it needs thinking about carefully and perhaps there hasn't been quite the care. And that's what the Sovim case has sort of highlighted in a way that maybe it hadn't been highlighted before. I mean, we had the Schrems case. I think that came before Sovim, didn't it? That was last year, not this year. Um, but that was a slightly different issue and involved the US. But what both Schrems and Sovim sort of show is that this need this needs a considered approach not a knee-jerk approach and I think we've had we had things like the Panama Papers and what was the other one I can't remember Paradise Papers 
Paradise Papers, that's the one I was thinking of. The, Lu- the Lux Leaks. The Lux Leaks. All these things which have sort of been used as a driver for greater transparency. And while I have no problem with transparency, what I think is problematic is being driven by things like that and by NGOs that may have a particular policy perspective and which therefore don't give any thought to the broader issues with things like human rights. No, it's it's whenever you surrender policymaking to activists, right? It doesn't matter about whether it's tax or whether it's about bosses. If you put activists in charge with a, with a given position, then they will deliver that position and they don't care. They're going to get to their end goal, right? Uh, something like that, yes. <laughs> so this is really interesting. We will watch this space, will we not? Uh, we will, and I think when there's a bit more detail on what went on at the House of Commons debate, we might even, and then the response to that, we might even do a full episode on it. We might do. I'm really excited to see um, what those that sponsored the original UK bill, how angry they are, how angry they are over the coming days. I'm sure my LinkedIn feed will be full of people giving quotes. Um, and I think that about covers it. We'll keep keep our eye on this and, and see where it goes. Absolutely. So thanks a lot for your time, Harriet. Of course, this is not advice. It's just a conversation between two people talking about tax. And we will speak to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.